0: We're going to talk about repentance. I remember the first time I heard that word was probably around 42nd Street when I was walking. Does anybody remember 42nd Street in the 80s and 90s? Not the Disney World that it is right now, right? Like a little bit different, slightly different. And so it, it's, it's incredible, right? That um, the, the first, So it's the first time I heard it and Um, The people would be out there, and for good reason. All of us needed to repent, right? Whoever was on 42nd Street in the late 80s and 90s desperately needed to repent, right? But if you think that repentance is just bad people turning from their sin, then you've missed the point of repentance. Everything you know about repentance is wrong. Everything... If we think that repentance is for bad people to become better, then we've missed what repentance is. And Jesus is going to teach us about that today. Now, repentance is the thing that you need for joy in your marriage. Repentance is the thing that you need so that you could walk away from that addiction that has so encumbered you. Repentance is the thing that you need so that you can enjoy all the blessings that God has brought to your life. Repentance is the thing that you need to appreciate your clean time. Repentance is the thing that you need in order to settle and rest and have peace and enjoy the peace that God brings. Repentance is not just for the wicked to turn good. Repentance is the thing that we need like air and water. You need it for every area of your life. Now, without repentance, without repentance, You will neither appreciate the good, and you will quickly run to the bad. We need repentance, but we need gospel repentance, not just moralistic repentance. So we're going to be talking about repentance today, but we're going to be talking about it from several different angles. One is we're going to look at the kind of sin that stirs us up, but not only that, we're going to look at how do we repent when really, really good things are happening, when the days of clean time are increasing, not decreasing, when, when everything is going well in our marriage, when, when the kids are doing just fine, when the methadone milligrams are going lower and lower. We need to learn how to repent in those stages. But we also need to repent when we're totally running from God. So it's going to be like a really heavy subject. And I have like six hours worth of material. So I'm going to do my best But I want you to see this. And I'm going to give you the illustration early because I think it's helpful. So repentance is like a door. And joy and satisfaction is like the room on the other side of this door. You'll never get to joy and satisfaction unless you go through the door of repentance. Does that make sense? Are you miserable? Uh, repent. You'll never get to joy and satisfaction. And I'm talking about a guy who, I mean, I know this, man, because like, I, when things are going well for me, I can worry and be concerned and not experience any joy. When things are going good in my marriage, I could find things bad in my marriage. When things are going well with the church, I can find things. See, if we're going to get to joy and satisfaction and rest and peace in Christ Jesus. If we're going to get into, if we're going to get to the room of that, we're going to have to go through the door of repentance. So this is hopefully those of you, let me tell you who needs to repent more than anybody else in this room. Those of you who wake up early and come consistently on a corner on 360 Skimmerhorn. It's not for the people who are in the park who are only going to come when the food gets ready and then they come down because they've been drinking. It's not those guys. It's us. So we're going to get to our text. and going to see. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to put your thinking caps on, and we're going to do our best to try to get through this passage. We're in a series called The Hard Sayings of Jesus. Jesus tells us to repent, and in our culture, that's the hardest thing to hear. And so I want you to just kind of, Uh, receive, and if, listen to me, if you right now have just come from the whorehouse or the crack house, or if you've come from a fight, you drove in on a fight with your spouse and you said things you should have never said, if last night you relapsed on cookies, that's not so funny for some people. Not so funny for some people if last night you relapsed on some stuff that you wish you had not. This is not the message that's going to condemn or beat you. This is the message that's going to free and liberate you. So I need you to stay with me, but it's going to be tough. So why don't we stand together and read this God, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word right now? Would you speak to us deeply, knowing that only in you can your spirit illuminate our minds to what you're trying to teach? Would you make me a teacher that stands behind your word and not gets in front to, so that others can't see it? And would you move powerfully so that we truly do what your word is saying and repent? we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read it together on the count of three. One, two, three. Now there was some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, No but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will perish. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, And then he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. And I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. This is God's holy word. Please have a seat. So there's a bunch of people that I'm speaking to, right? Right? There's people who you've come to this service because you've been invited or for other reasons. you come to this service, and you used to go to church with your family. That forced you. And you were like, oh my gosh, this is the very topic. This is the very reason. Bunch of hypocrites telling everybody to change, but you won't change yourself. So there's you, right? And you're new, and you're just coming around. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe this is your fifth time, but you're new. And you're thinking, this is not for you. This is the reason why you don't come to church. And then there's a bunch of you who feel so deeply guilty about your sin that you don't know where to put your head and you're wondering where this sermon's going to go and you're hoping for hope, but you don't have much hope for that. And then there's others of you who are like, yeah, pastor, get (laughs) them! Finally, talking about repentance, the homosexuals and the drug addicts, yes, finally, you're on to them. And you're all wrong. And you're all wrong. So, first of all, I want you to see the conversation that Jesus has. Jesus is walking. He's talking to his followers, by the way. He's talking to his followers. Those who are pursuing him. Those who are with him on this journey. Those who are listening to what he says. He's talking to his followers. And they come up to him. And they say, "Now they were present at that time, now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices." Jesus answered, "Do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way?" I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18, Jesus continues, with the tragedy that they didn't bring up. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will perish. When you and I look at tragedy, we have two fundamental ways we go or we filter how tragedy happens. One way... Let's see if we can do this. Wait. Can you guys in the cheap seats see this? No. Okay. All right. Is that a little better? All right. I love those guys, so I can play with them like that. Can everybody see this? Okay. So, how do we look at tragedy? Now, I'm going to try to give you like 50 million things during this talk. Do the best you can. Follow along. Okay. Um, there's over the tower thinking. And there's under the tower. You got it? Over the tower and under the tower thinking. So when tragedy happens, let me tell you what over the tower and under the tower thinking is. When bad things happen, have you ever uh, heard that there was a book called um, When Bad Things Happen to Good People? Right? Okay, so, and, and just to pause for a second that title suggests that God actually owes us anything good. He doesn't. We've spent our entire lives rebelling against him. He owes us nothing. My clean time owes me nothing. I'm owed nothing. When bad things happen in your life and in mine, when bad things happen, in the, and let's look at it more clearly, as when bad things happen into other people's lives, One way to look at it is over the tower. This is God. God, you look over the tower and you blame God. Or if you're not religious, and this is, by the way, everybody. If you're not religious, you you just blame randomness or the universe. Or if if you've been to church once or twice, you blame God. In fact, many times, the only time I see God in the newspaper is to blame him for things that they don't believe he exists to do. You go over the tower, and there's a bunch of us who blame when bad things happen. The reason that this is happening is because I blame God. God is bringing about this travesty. Then there's another way of thinking when tragedy happens. We look under the tower. Jesus addresses this. Do you hear what he said? Do you think those Galileans were worse than the other Galileans? Right? Right? And so when we blame under the tower, what we do is we blame the people. One way, we blame God when bad things happen. Second way, we blame people when bad things happen. We go, oh, well, they deserved it. Well, you know what? That's what you get. We wonder, listen, and one of, listen, even with your own life, have you figured out which one are you? When bad things happen, do you blame God? Do you blame yourself? Which one? Which one? Right? There's a bunch of us. We don't know. All right. Well, when these things happen and we blame God, what we're doing is Jesus is going, listen to me. If you just, these are, you're not, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. Whenever bad things happen, the point isn't to blame God or to blame the people. The point is to repent. Okay, I know you didn't get that, so I'm going to try again, okay? Listen to me. Stay close, because this is very, very heavy. When you play the blame game, when bad things happen, Satan is playing you for a sucker, because he's not allowing you to see what the real point of the tragedy is. When bad things happen, when, listen to me, when bad things happen that are not your fault at all, a tsunami strikes. The point isn't, do we blame God or do we blame the people? When bad things happen, like stuff that I brought on myself, like I got the virus, I used unprotected sex, I I blame myself. No. The point is to repent. And even if it didn't happen to you, the point is to repent. And usually, this is as far as repentance is talked about. When bad things happen, when negative things take place, we think, all right, blame God, blame ourselves, or blame God, or blame the other people. Now, let's talk about repentance in the full scope. Jesus is not agreeing with either one of these. He says, do you see how he says no twice? He goes, no, but unless you repent, you too will perish. Who's the you he's talking to? He's talking to his followers, isn't he? You see, when you see bad things happen in this world, that should not be a cause for you to get arrogant or proud when you see awful things happen in this world, that should not be a cause for you to just feel pity. When you see awful things happen in this world, that should be an opportunity for you to repent. Have you ever known of anybody who relapsed and you're an addict and you didn't and you say something like, "There but by the grace of God go I." But what you really mean is better you than me. See, this is not what God is calling us to. God is calling us to repentance, true repentance. So let's look at what repentance is. Repentance is, uh, in in Greek, the, the Greek word for repentance is metanoia. It means a mind shift or a mind change, a change of mind, okay? So that's what repentance is. It's a change of mind. Okay. Now, this is huge. The reason that this is so big is because you need to repent when good things are happening. And you need to repent when bad things are happening. You don't get that. Okay, so here's the thing. The Bible says that you are wicked. Somebody say wicked. Wicked. That's you. Okay, so you and me, we're wicked, right? And so if anything bad happens to me, If anything bad happens in my life, it's still not as bad as it could be. You know why? Because I'm wicked. But the Bible also says, and this is really powerful, cherished. Somebody spell cherished for me, Betsy. Do it again. Everybody be quiet, please. Betsy, thank you. So you're cherished, okay? So the Bible says that we're cherished. So when good things happen, I don't take credit for that. I go, God, you're giving me something I don't deserve. You see how repentance affects both when bad things happen and when good things happen, when sin is present and when saints are present? Here's how it works. So if you understand that this is the gospel, that you're more wicked than you think. And you're more loved than you can imagine. When you understand that this is the gospel, then you need a mind change for everything that happens. You need a way of filtering everything that happens in your life. You need a way of looking at how your husband is acting in a different light. You need a different way of looking at it. You need a different way of looking at your children and their behavior. You need a different way of when you get that job and you're like, wow, I can't believe I got this job. And you need a different way of looking at like when you can't pay any of your bills. You need to repent. So how does this repentance work? This Okay, so are are you trying feel like you might not be tracking with me. So let's try this again. Okay, so wicked. So this means repentance. We repent in every area of our life. Remember I told you how the repentance is the doorway to get into the room of joy and happiness? When good things are happening to you, what are some good things that can happen to you? How do you repent? We're going to get there. Thank you so much. We're going to get there. The way we repent, let me answer your question. In fact, we're going to make this, because this is such a complicated subject, we're going to make this a, di- uh, a discussion, okay? Any questions you have, you can just shout it out, right? Don't even need to raise your hands. We're going to do this, okay? Now, the short answer we're going to get to, though, um, we're not getting to it just yet. I have to build this part up first. The, the short answer is you identify your idols and you give them to God to uh, deal with them. In other words... You address your motivations for why you do what you do. And the motivations for why you do what you do is called an idol. It's a God that you serve, love, and give yourself to. That's what an idol is. Okay. Well, I mean, anything could be an idol. If you're asking, no matter what it is, anything could be an idol. But we're going to talk about the four main idols of the heart. The four main idols of the heart. Now... Remember, when we talk about sin to be repented about, we think that sin is the act of the hands. I want to change your mind about that. Sin is not the act of the hands. Sin is the disposition of the heart. Sin is not the act of the hands. It's the disposition of the heart. So, for instance, my son just got into NYU. Pretty awesome, right? Yeah. It's because he has me as a father, clearly. And so... My son just recently got into NYU. He got a full, not only did he get into NYU, he got a full ride. It's like a quarter of a million dollar gift. NYU law. So, and, and, that's, and that's real good for us, right? <laughs> Over here, because I'm pretty sure me and you are going to need a lawyer before all things are done. And so my son is going to be the lawyer. Hopefully he'll give us a pro bono deal. All right, here's the point. Here's the point. Here's the point. It's ridiculous for my son to go, Look at me. Look at me. I'm awesome. It would be ridiculous for my son to do that. And my son studied for over 13 hours a day for like a year and a half. But but you see, my son would have to acknowledge that he's more wicked. And that any brains that he has wasn't his doing. He got it from God. And so he needs to repent of that idea of look at me, look at me, because any brains that you have, any stability that he has in his life to have gone through school. I didn't grow up with stability. Anybody here grew up with, did not grow up with stability? I didn't grow up with stability. Mine was a very unstable home. And because he had that, a level of stability in his home, he developed some habits that it took me to get to 35 before I could start developing. He got to develop those early. You see, when he recognizes, when one recognizes that, that then you repent even of the good things that happen in your life. And you go, God, this is not something I deserve. By the way, the reason this is so hard to appreciate and the reason this is so hard to receive is because we're taught in America that if good things happen, you deserve it. If good thi- good, you know what good things happen? Good things happen to good people. Good things happen to good people. And so because good things happen to good people, you know, it's why you get angry at God. When God breaks that rule and you go, wait, you mean I'm a good person and God, you're not giving me what I want? Then forget you. That's why we leave God. That's why we get angry at God. It's because we don't recognize that we're as wicked as we are. Listen to me. So with my son, the illustration with my son. My son, receives this incredible scholarship, his heart should be, God, I don't deserve this. I didn't earn it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Brothers and sisters, when we're clean and we've got three months under our belt, and we haven't drank a drop or smoked, nothing. We've done nothing in three months. Our response should be, I don't deserve it, and I didn't earn it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. When our marriages are going in a way that is absolutely beyond our, we go, oh, man, it's because I read those books and because I practiced those principles. No, beloved, beloved, this is far better than I deserve. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, because I'm more wicked than I thought, and I'm more cherished than I can. So when good things happen, I go, oh my gosh. So I go, how cherished am I? How cherished that you would give me something even though I'm this wicked. And when bad things happen, I go, how merciful are you? Even though I deserve far worse. Does that make sense? Okay, so, the pretty lady in the middle of the room asked, how do we repent? So, First is to recognize, some of you who have been around have seen me do this before. Recognize that all of our sin falls, there are four root idols of the heart. Are you with me? Someone say four root idols of the heart. Four root idols of the heart. Okay. One is comfort. Liz, can you put that up? So, um, Comfort. A longing for pleasure. Next. Control. All right, control. A longing to have everything go according to my plan. All right? So first one, comfort. Go back to the comfort, because people are writing things down, so I should do it. Comfort, a longing for pleasure. The reason that you and I sin is because of one of these four things. I'm going to tell you why you keep on relapsing. I'm going to tell you why you can't keep it in your pants. I'm going to tell you why you keep on running back to that sin that's destroying you. I'm going to tell you why. Even though it's destroying you, and you recognize it's destroying you, let me tell you why you run back to it. Because you're looking for pleasure in places other than Jesus. Jesus isn't your satisfaction. Jesus isn't your pleasure. Jesus isn't your joy. That's your joy. And, and I'm telling you, it could be anything from Haggandas to heroin. That's the thing you run to. When the pressure gets high, when the things get tough, that's the thing you run to. That is what we call comfort. I'm looking to something other than Jesus for pleasure. Are you thinking of your sin and how it falls into that category? You should. Next one is control. Control is a longing to have everything go according to my plan. Now, that's not something anybody here really struggles with, so we're just going to move on to the next one. And so, or maybe I should talk about it for a second. Okay, all right, all right, all right, maybe one or two of you. All right, so here's the deal. Control is not trusting Jesus to have full authority in your life. No, 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 no. You're going to have to manipulate this and lie about that and force your way on this and intimidate that. You're going to have to do everything in your power to make sure that things go the way you want it because you can't have it any other way because we all know that you do a far better job at organizing and directing your life than God ever could. That's what control is. You see, I'm not just... I don't just have uh, control issues. I'm an idolater. I run to something other than Jesus. Control. Next. Significance. A longing for influence or recognition. Now, this one is really, you, none of you go, oh yeah, that's the one I want. I know that's the one I want. I want my name to be in lights. If you're an artist or you're a musician, you're a singer or a dancer or anything like that, you struggle with this. You want to be famed. You want to be known. But can I tell you, if you're a regular church attender, this is you too, just do an act of service and don't let anybody thank you for it. You see how this dog comes out quick. Significance is a longing for influence or recognition. And if, and if, wait, you mean after all I did, you know what I did, pastor? I woke up early, I made eggs, I served people, I did all of this, and they didn't even give me a thank you. Of course, because you weren't doing this to glorify Jesus, you were doing this to fame yourself. Significance, it's another God we run to. Approval a longing to be accepted or desires. Ladies, look up to me. Why do you think you have so much, and I'm I'm just talking to maybe one or two ladies in this room, maybe not. Why do you think you have so much sexual regret? Why? Why, ladies, do you think you have so much sexual regret? Why? Why? Sure, sure. It's because, what? Yeah. Sex. Right, exactly. And the short thing to what just, she just said was approval. You want his approval. Men, men, why do you spend more money on dates than you have? Why? Anybody know? Wait, wait, wait. No guy's going to yell at me? Why don't you talk to the ladies about this? No, what? No? Men, why do you spend more money? Why? It's this. It's this. You're going, I want to be longed for, accepted, and desired. And I know how to do it. And I know how to do it. I'll spend more money than I have. And then watch this. If you, if you do this long enough, how, how long does it take before you become furious at the monster you created? Right? That when she starts asking for stuff that you've already gotten her used to, right? it's because, it's not because you love too much. It's not because you're too generous. It's because you're an idolater. Comfort, control, approval, significance. You see them all. Now watch this. Here's, here's what happens. This stuff is always under the surface. This stuff is always under the surface. So we go, we go, oh, the real problem is lust. Or the real problem is gambling. Or the real problem is overeating. Or the real problem is, you know, choose it, right? Bitterness. Listen, beloved, that's not your real problem. The reason, that you, the reason that you act out on lust is for some of you, it's an issue of comfort. For others of you, it's an issue of control. For others of you, it's an issue of approval. And for others of you, it's an issue of significance. How many guys did I grow up with going, I could pull her, I could pull her. Why? Because they're trying to prove something to themselves. Do you see how we could all be doing the same thing for very distinctly different issues? And so you just go, oh, stop the lusting. I'm going to put the, 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 the blockers on my computer. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And you don't understand that you're hitting. Listen to me. This is the fruit of sin. You're messing with the fruit of sin, not the root of sin. So you need to. So that's why. And then we can just, let, let's put active addiction. Active addiction. Some of you are going, this is awesome. I got 30, 60, 90 days, 20 years, whatever it is. And what you don't understand is that you stopped actively adi- uh, um, acting out, but you wonder why, why the chocolate thing has gone out of control, why you, your, weight, your weight has gained. Or you wonder why you can't keep up with your bills because you've been buying so many clothes clothes that you haven't even taken the price tag off and, and haven't used. Why? Why? Because, listen to me, you dropped your, listen to me, you hit the fruit of sin, but you never addressed the root of sin. Okay. Is this making sense? I'm trying. I'm doing my best. Okay. But now, but now, now, can't we do it? Okay. So, here's the thing. Now, let's, let's see if we can, Okay. So let's see some ways. Liz, put up the first slide that I sent you. Um, Let's see some of the ways. I'm I'm going to try to teach you to give you some questions that you can ask. But I want you to see that it's not just, the sin is not just the sin of our hands. It's the disposition of our hearts. Do you know that two people could be up here, and one could be reading their Bible, going to church, and praying and giving money like crazy. And the reason that they're doing that is because they believe that if they do that, that'll put God in their debt. You didn't get that. The reason that they do that is because they know if they do that, then God will give them their marriage back, their job back, their clean time back. They think that if they do this, that God will owe them something. And then there's another person who does all those four things that we just said: read the Bible, go to church, da, 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 all those things that we just said. And the reason they do it is because they just love Jesus; they can't get enough. It's like asking me, um, when I was uh, when I when I was a teenager, when I first met my wife, calling my wife wasn't duty for me; it wasn't something that I had to work on myself. Come on, Edwin, call your wife. You could, or in the time as girlfriend, call your girlfriend. You could do it. Come on, come on, call your girlfriend. It wasn't like that. It was an overflow of joy because I loved her so much. When you walk in Christ, the fear of punishment, the fear of being struck down, that all goes away. And you do it because you love him so. Now, if you're here and you go, but I don't feel what you're saying. I don't feel that love for Jesus well, I'm glad that you're here. You can go to him and tell him, God, I don't love you like that. I'm not romantically involved with you. You're just an acquaintance, and I'll keep you around for fire insurance, but I really don't want much to do with you. And so, God, would you please change my heart? How can God change our hearts? So here's a look. If, if This is some of the, the, some of the sin that would, like, be the fruit of sin that you would see would fall into these four categories, but I'm just going to see if you're angry, here's a question you need to ask yourself. Is there something too important to me? Something I am telling myself I have to have. Is that why I'm angry? Because I'm being blocked from having something I think is necessary when it's not? Do you see? If someone, why am I angry? Not just being angry, but going, why? Is Jesus not sufficient Is God not giving me something that I think I deserve? Okay, that's that's the heart we need to come into this, with a heart that says, God, I'm wicked, and I don't deserve anything but punishment, but you're glorious, and you've given me nothing but forgiveness and mercy. Okay, next. If you're fearful or badly worried, here's some questions you can ask yourself. Is there something too important to me Something I am telling myself I have to have. Is, it, is that why I'm so scared? Because something is being threatened, which I think is a necessity when it's not? I fall into this all the time. I struggle with depression. A lot of you know that. I've struggled with depression for a long time. 2018 has been the best year of my life, no kidding. Like, I, I haven't experienced depression. I've, I've experienced a levity and a joy that I haven't experienced and I don't think any other part in my life. You know what started to creep in sometime in July? It's like, oh, no. Year's almost over. Is this, what what happens when the depression comes back? What happens when I start, because it's just around the corner. This is not going to, you know, when things are bad, I I comfort myself and tell myself, "Uh, this won't last forever. And when things are good, I punish myself by going, This won't last forever. And so I just started to go, wait, 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 wait. You know what? Elated or depressed? I'm going to find my joy in Christ. I'm going to go, you know what? In depression, I'm going to find in Jesus all that I need. Because he's more than enough, even during a depression. If you're fearful or you're badly worried, are these some of the questions? There's something too important to me? For me, it's just not being depressed. Ah, all right, next. If you're depressed or hating yourself, ask Is there something too important to me? Something I am telling myself I have to have? Are you noticing a pattern here, guys? Is that why I am so down? Because I've lost or failed at something which I think is a necessity when it's not? Okay, next. No, that's it? Okay, sorry. So the point is this, guys. The point is this. We all need to repent. If you're going through a really good time, you need to repent. If you're going through a really dark time, you need to repent. If the reason that you're suffering is because of pain that you have brought upon in your life, you need to repent. If everything is going perfectly well, you need to repent. In other words... When things are going good, remind yourself to thank God for the good that you don't deserve, that he's given you. And when things are going bad, remind yourself, it could be much worse. God has given you mercy, even in the midst of your sin. Jesus ends the, uh, the, the talk with a parable. And I think it's important. It says, a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. Then he went to look for the fric, uh, fruit on it, but it did not, he did not find any. So he said to the man he took care, uh, who took care of the vineyard, for three years, now I've been coming to look for fruit on the fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, cut it down. Now listen to me. If In this talk, you go, I haven't really kept fruit of repentance. I haven't kept the fruit of repentance. Here's the good news. Jesus is the gardener. Jesus is the one who says, beloved, I'll dig around you. I'll give you the nutrients that you need. I'll be able to pour into you. Just stay stuck on me. Don't worry and then he gives this time frame he goes a year it doesn't the year is, the year is not a literal year the year is a time before the judgment of god comes upon us all by which we all need to repent so beloved things are going if things are going well and you're thanking yourself come back to christ and say god thank you so much for doing for me what i could not do for myself if things are going wonderful God, thank you. Things are going terrible. God, lead me to a deeper repentance. Help me to confess my idols, the idols that I run to. So my message to you today is repent. Let's pray. God, there are some of us here who just hear the word repent and will never be able to get over all the terrible sin that we've done. And though we do want to repent for our sin, Lord, would you speak to the good people in this room who need to repent for their goodness? The righteous people in this room who need to repent for their righteousness, taking credit for their righteousness and goodness rather than giving honor and glory and indebtedness to you? God, would you make this true so that we might walk into the room of joy by going through the door of repentance. Lord, this falls on so many of us in so many different ways. Would you give us wisdom to know how to apply it in our lives? For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.